Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. I'm Batman. Like a job for Superman. And now, Scott Gardner, Chris Honeywell, and Michael Bailey. Um, I'm really glad that you're that you're excited and you're jazzed for this because we need to feed off your energy, off your off your excitement like a parasite. We're, we're feeding off some caffeine. Yeah, too, we so. are fucking exhausted, dude. I mean, I'm just I'm fried. I'm today, doing a little so. better than he is. So yeah, I'm so goddamn tired. I can't no pressure. I even got comics to talk about, man. So do I. I've got a travel log for you, and uh... that's good because I got zilch. I got I got one one brief thing to throw out there, and other than that, I'm I'm spent, man. I got nothing. <laughs> um, are we covering Walking Dead at all? Oh no, I I didn't have anything regular to. As a matter of fact, I, what I'm kind of thinking. I'm going to let you and Chris bring to the table whatever you're bringing to the table and, and you know, completely go wild. I got, Like I said, I got one thing to throw out. Other than that, I'm kind of thinking we should talk about, you know, bringing you onto the show. And then I kind of wanted to throw it open to the listeners of, you know, tell us what you want. You know, but, tell but, us what you want us to talk about, what you want to hear us, you know, bring to the show and all that. See, what okay I'm thinking now. is, uh, of all the stuff from our old format, The Walking Dead's the one thing I'm pretty sure that I want that I would want to keep, you know, right. that I would want to keep doing. Maybe we'll mention that, that, you know, The Walking... We'll, we're still going to be covering The Walking Dead, especially now that, like, all the people are into the TV show and there's going to need nine something to hold them over for nine months. You and Chris co started covering the John Byrne X-Men. Now, if you guys want to continue that, I am down for that. Because I have all that shit in one form or another. Um, I'm not opposed to that because I was just starting to enjoy it. We we yeah. literally got two issues into it, and I was starting to like go, "Oh yeah, that's right." Because I hadn't read that stuff since high school. Yeah, and I'd forgotten, and I hadn't actually I hadn't read those early ones. I had gotten them a little after that, so I was really digging it. So, yeah, I could see that. I could see that turning up again. I w I wouldn't mind having a you know. Having a whole bunch of rotating ones, maybe as we figure out stuff that we want to do, so we could, you know, keep it. You know, maybe that might even draw more people in. If like, you know, every, every once in a while we'll do some John Byrne X Men, this or that. You know, I mean, I mean, we were we when we were doing our swamp thing. It's funny we we finished the whole saga of the swamp Excuse thing me. stuff that was kind of 
the crap we were waiting to wade through to get to the Alan Moore, and we got two ish, two or three issues into the Alan Moore before two. we stopped. Yeah, two issues into the Alan Moore, which was the good stuff. We just started. Yeah. I wouldn't mind hitting some of that, too. But um, I have the first trade, and if you guys have CBRs, I can follow I, along with that, I too. I believe I have CBRs of all that stuff, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I've got most of the issues, but not all of them. If you can open up a window, there's my logo. I just sent the link to it. My friend Blake Wilkie drew the Hulk part of it for me. How the fuck do you get back? Oh, okay, there it is. Yeah, it's the little word balloon. This is fucking stupid, man. I don't. Yeah, I'm really annoyed that they fucking did this. This is. Oh my god. The thing about it is, this is going to screw up so many podcasts for a couple weeks, you know, till everybody gets used to the. Oh, that's awesome. That is cool. Yeah, my the guy who drew the views from the Longbox logo, Blake, guy I used to work with at a, a convenience store, asked me what I what 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 drawing I would want for Christmas, and I said. This is going to sound really weird. Can you draw the Hulk looking at an iPod? I think it looks a lot like... And I figured that would make a great logo. Doesn't it look a lot like a Garney? I think it looks a lot like a Garney. Yeah, no, that's my friend Blake. Yeah, that's that's awesome. He's nice. good. Yeah. He is good. He's, yeah. he's got style. He's got a definite, like, style. It's really neat. He was 30 seconds from being a colorist at Marvel in the late 80s, but he got screwed over by politics. Because Jim Shooter, in 1986, looked at his stuff and said, I like this. Go over to Jim Owsley. Have him give you work. He went over to Jim Owsley, said, Jim Shooter sent me over here. And because Jim Owsley didn't like Jim Shooter, he, he told uh, Blake that he should go become a garbage tr uh, truck driver and get on with his life. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. But uh, he, is, he has got a fan fantastic style and he's he's pro i mean he's been drawing trading cards and and, and uh role-playing uh illustrations for role-playing guides and stuff like that so you know he's he's making a living it's just he kn he's never really broken into comics have, which have, is kind of sad because he's fucking great have you officially announced this show yet uh no when are you when are you coming out of the closet about this about the end of the year okay because what i'm thinking is I'm wondering if we can go ahead and use everything that we've just been recording and just work into the intro of the show right at this point. And um, this will be up, what, next Sunday, right? It'll be up next Sunday to Monday, for Monday, yeah. This could be your, your coming out about this if you want. Okay, Otherwise, yeah, I can, I can announce it officially. All right. So, I mean, because everything we just talked about, rather than rehash it, you know, in the show... <laughs> <laughs> Which is here it is. We've already talked about it, so um, yeah. Let's do. So you're saying we're doing the show right? Yeah, now? Yeah, we're actually live we're, in we're the show right in, now. So, yeah, we're ten minutes into the, minutes show? Into the show already. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> well, that's cool. So the so that, this is this is gorilla podcasting at its finest. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, gorilla. Oh, okay. Wait. Well, as uh, <laughs> you dumbass, <laughs> as the listeners are going to find out. You know, to two true freaks next month. We we are in full, you know, full chaos functioning mode. chaos mode. Uh, podcast vacation. So we're getting a little bit of that feeling with with this episode. We, 
we've been doing all our stuff we've been doing all our stuff with my handheld recorder like in we, we recorded our tron podcast in scott's car <laughs> once coming <laughs> from the movie and once going to disney you know one half of each you know so we've just been like doing our podcast so we're used to being like are we podcasting now i guess we are right <laughs> so all right for those at home hi welcome to two true freaks this is comics monthly monday what is this number 26 26. i'm scott gardner sitting right next to me and it's so weird it is so this is our cool live skype podcast it is is. even last year when we did dragon con all we did was sort of a recap into your mp3 player right yeah and uh so this is our first like real like which i i still think is one of your best episodes ever but oh thanks well, hopefully, this will be even better than that. <laughs> well, I'm involved, so well, exactly. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. So, new thing, you know, we've been saying this for months. New things are bubbling up with Comics Monthly Monday, yes. but now we now we finally have we can got our first one with with you in it. And you know, as long as the universe stays in in alignment, that's how Comics Monthly Monday is gonna be. And I'm psyched about that i think oh, so am i guys I, I really thank you for having me on as part a regular part of the the thing because god knows i sit there and talk to you enough when i'm listening to the show mm-hmm. you might as well be able to hear what i say well, so for better or worse yeah that'll yes. be great well, I, I i'm just you know i i'm I, we're really thrilled to have you you know for for those listening at home that don't know uh Joining us is one half of the awesome From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. We are thrilled and honored to invite to this show on a, on a permanent basis, Mr. Jeffrey Taylor. Ooh. Ow. Oh, wait. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, did he hang up? Oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> do, do, you, do, you, do you call your wife by your ex-girlfriend's name every once in a while, too, just to piss her off? <laughs> Just to keep oh. it exciting around the house, yeah. Oh, we tease, we tease. I Mr. Mr. Michael Bailey. And, well, let me see what else. God, you've got like 50 other things. Let me see. we got Views from the Long Box. Which is back which is regularly back. for two straight months now, which has been awesome. awesome. Yes, it is awesome. I've been lis- I have been listening. It has been very, very good. I'm really enjoying it. I'm so glad that you took my advice and you regrouped and reformed and reformed and reformed and reformed again, again. And, <laughs> and came back with views long box. Um, he's also, you know, I, I hope you guys are listening to uh, our beleaguered other podcasts at the moment. But uh, back to the bins and uh, tales of the Justice Society of America. You know, Mike and I do those together, which we're going to get back on track with soon yes yes we are i promise we are and i feel so bad that things have been so wonky with that but it's it it is entirely my fault i am totally to blame on it my schedule has just been absolutely crazy well i know you you got the watching this guy burn himself from both ends since i've got here it's insane (laughs) well you you've got the dream job so i I can never be upset about you having the job you have literally wanted probably for decades at least at least a decade yes it's the job he's always wanted but never knew what it was exactly yeah. I, well yeah when you put it that way yeah it has I've been never because i never heard him say ever in his life you know i'd really like to be a, a monorail driver <laughs> right but then again i never heard him say that he didn't want to be a, <laughs> a rail driver either well you know 
we, we have not recorded it yet, but one thing that is definitely on our agenda to, to try to knock out while Chris is here is I want to d- basically do like a, a bookend to our news flash episode that we did months ago where basically <laughs> my life was at like low ebb and things were looking very dire and you know for anybody that that didn't hear it it was basically an announcement of okay I'm going to take a hiatus from podcasting I'm going to try to get my life in order and I kind of want to bookend it with how everything wound up you know where where am i today well and, yeah i mean it's very rare those stories actually have a really truly happy ending right i have like it, everything came out okay but right. you yeah it's had a real like you just had literally a story storybook ending cinderella magic, story uh, very uh, yeah, yeah it really cinderella, is a cinderella story it's a cinderella story <laughs> but it really is you know so yeah it's awesome literally I mean, in like yes. more ways than one. So. Yes. Yeah, it's it's and, and the fact that you got cast as Cinderella just makes me so proud of you. Oh, oh thanks, he was in man. full regalia it. today. It was yeah. Great. I mean, I mean, and the fact that you took the tongue from the prince was just. I was I was commi- I have never rarely have I seen such commitment since Christopher Reeve was in that movie with Michael Caine. It's I'm n- telling it's you, man, not gay when you're in character. Yeah, exactly. Cinderella <laughs> never looked better with five o'clock shadow than she does <laughs> currently at Walt Disney World. And a receding oh. hairline. Um, <laughs> you bastard. Hey, dude, that's my payback. It took me a couple minutes to get to it, but there it is. It's okay, man. It's awesome being here in person because I get to get the personal insults in. Like the other day, I'm, I was in my room, or in my room, I'm in his, I've taken over his youngest son's room, and I'm in there on the computer, and, um, I can't remember what what I was talking to. Both his sons were in there, and we were looking at something. And um, Scott just walks to the door, like it, like not in your underwear, but like in a pair of shorts. With it, no was, sh- it was my pajama bottoms, pajama yeah. bottoms, and no shirt. And we turn around, and there he is standing in the door. He click takes a picture, and he walks away, which and, can like, be seen on Facebook right now, by the way. Yes, I saw that. And his sons look at me, and I just go, "Did a gorilla just walk up to the door and take our picture?" <laughs> Weird. <laughs> well, do you remember my dad's friend Matt Horath? Yes. He used to terrify me when we were kids because he looked like a Wookie. He looked like yeah. a silverback. Yeah. And I used to think, Jesus, I hope I don't have hair on my back when I get old. And yeah, well, well, my problem is, is I'm slowly developing a sweater below my shoulders, <laughs> and now it goes all the way around. I know, man. I got yep. it too. Yeah. So- See, I've got it too. <laughs> <laughs> my, I don't know if you've heard our Star Trek Monthly Monday yet, but that's that's a callback to that episode. Okay. Very good. I'm 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 a little behind, but I will catch up at some point. I think you'll get a kick out of it, but you you have to watch along. We we should have said that in the beginning of that episode, but guys, you gotta watch along. If you don't watch along, it's not near as funny. You got you yeah. gotta break out the DVD. And and watch along with because they're, they're both s- commentaries in that one because you know of course it was live. Although I have so. to say when I was when I was editing and listening to it like because this is one of the ones where you know since we were doing it's not underscored so I would literally so usually I'm like underscoring it while I'm editing it right but this time I was just listening to it to make sure there were glitches that I had to cut out or dead right. spaces well you can't even cut it as a commentary <laughs> but I was listening to it and I kept finding myself. Just, just dying, just yeah, I know. Because it was, it was, it's, it was fun, and it's, it's, it sort of breaks the format. But I think it's fun to do that once in a while, and I, we're going to be doing a lot of, of 
audio commentaries. We haven't decided exactly what we're going to do, but we've got some good ideas. We've got a good list. We've got one that I think is going to shock people, and it's going to be very, uh, I think it's going to be both hysterical and extremely controversial, and we'll just leave that to you guys' imaginations on that one. But it's not too much of a far stretch to think of what it probably is. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway... Comic books. Yes. So I gotta say something. I read superhero comic books. Well, we yes. should we should let our guest go for. Well, oh. not get. He's no. not. He's mean? not a guest. He's he's the new he's the new co-host. But I was should... treating him with the disrespect that I usually <laughs> treat all my co-hosts with. You yes, know? yes, I can attest to that. Actually, I was. I forgot. I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ben. I, I was. Uh, I, I I feel like I'm part of the show. <laughs> It's for Chris, you go first. I gotta take a minute. Well, I forgot this this son of a bitch to go back to his <laughs> his thing. You know, so we were out somewhere. Where the hell were we? I think we were in the studios the other day, and he snaps a picture. And it, it was a really good looking picture, but it was like, you know, it, it had at least my gut in the picture, maybe, maybe even a full body. And I did the you know the typical kind of girly. Jesus, am I really that fat? Without missing a beat, he's like, yes, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, awesome. So glad he's here. Can't wait for him to get back on the damn bus. <laughs> the only reason I said yes so quickly was because I knew the tape was running. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That was when Scott was making out with the Michael Landon bust. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I missed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you met. You need to make sure to listen to that because uh, we did shout you out, dude. So. Oh. You have to that. listen. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I was thinking at you of you at a very specific moment, um, but yeah, you'll have that to listen. To bad. Fun. Yeah, it did sound bad actually. No, I wasn't like you know <laughs> wanking or uh, taking a dump or anything. No. Look, look, look! Just, like just you quit while you're ahead, Scott. Uh, please, for the love of God. Yeah, just drop it, man. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hey! I America- think this Mountain Dew kicked in. By Miracle the way. of Miracles. I have read superhero comics you know me i don't read too many superhero comics i didn't know you could read since i was taken over shut up is kids room <laughs> there's lots of superhero comics like lying around and um they're actually the same superhero i've read two well one was a four four issue mini mini series and one was a uh graphic is it a graphic novel, novel or is it a trade uh, of, like, no it's, it's a it's a graphic it's an original graphic novel because it uh yeah that's all original it's in all, that it's, one. yeah okay yeah it's, that's the only format it was published in um and um i guess i should go in um chronological order but the the graphic novel was the power of shazam by jerry ordway oh, i knew and, it i knew he knew that and 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 i i wholeheartedly concur with your oh there that should be the freaking awesome. movie Yes. yes, yes, yes. It's it was very cinematic, and well, uh, except that it doesn't have mentor or a Winnebago in it. But... <laughs> Let it go, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and and I gotta say, I haven't read a Shazam story since I was a little kid, and I'd forgotten how you know Shazam to me as a little kid was right up there with Superman, Wonder, you know. It was in the seat, you know. I, I I always remember reading that Secret Origin of Superheroes book, you know, even right. when I was a little kid. So which is sitting right next to me, I might add. Which the, yeah. sh- the, the sh- so the Shazam origin, and I gotta say, I think these Shazam comics, you know, they capture that feeling that I guess is not in like say Superman comics, 
these days or that different feel, you know, the the good mm-hmm. fashioned superhero guy and 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 the other Shazam was uh Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil by Jeff Smith. You know what's funny about you reading that? I I gave that to Scott to give to his kids. Because oh, I really right. didn't care for it. That's so right. I, That's so right. I forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's- at that comic show we went back in February and I didn't really care for it. I'm not saying that it was bad. It just really wasn't geared for my sensibilities of what I wanted in a Captain Marvel story. So I thought... So I thought that it would be better to give it to Scott and see if his kids like it because it seemed to be more geared to that audience. It was definitely geared towards a kid audience. And I read the Jeff Smith one first and I was like, well, that was a nice little revisionist, you know... Um, they, and I didn't pay attention to when it came out, and then I read The Power of Shazam, and I really liked that. Well, uh, the artwork and the co- the color coloring in this also is just gorgeous. Everything about just, it is gorgeous. I just thought of two things, dude. While, while you were talking, while you guys were talking amongst yourselves for a moment, I ran out and grabbed the book that I thought Chris was talking about, and when I came in, he was like, "Yes, that's the book." The Secret Origins of the DC Superheroes. Now, you and I, Mike, have talked about doing that book at some point, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, also, I know that you and I had talked uh, about Shazam, A New Beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that's a couple projects that the three of us should tackle at some point. Oh, definitely. Do them as like separate origin stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. I would be down for that because I, th- I love Shazam, A New Beginning. I think Chris would like that. If he likes well, these, I think he would like that too. Yeah, and I was digging. Uh, I was digging these. These, this, the, I mean, these are sort of sh- these. If I can find more superhero comics like these, I would read more superhero comics. These capture what I want. That you know, an, they're 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 crazy without being overly goofy. And and I always remember like. Once I got into high school and started would read other Shazams, I was like, "Oh, it's kind of kiddy. It had the worm and everything, you right? Know, yeah, and stuff like this." But boy, I really the the Ordway that Ordway one. I really liked the story. I really liked how it handled the whole the whole origin and the you know with the Egyptian temple and how everything worked out. And you know with um, hey, that's Betty Page. There's, there's even a Betty Page. Uh, yeah. I think that's Dave Stevens in the in the picture too, by the way. Oh really? Yes. Oh yeah. Picture. Oh that's funny. Um yeah, and, and the thing about that project is that Captain Marvel languished after the crisis. Right. You know, they, they tr- Roy Thomas had his four issue miniseries, which was followed up with an action comics weekly story that wasn't as good, unfortunately. Right. It wasn't bad, it just it just wasn't as good as that initial miniseries. I like the Captain Nazi part, but that's the only yeah. part I can remember of it. And he tried like hell, he had artists come on. He covered this in an issue of Alter Ego, where he went through like the entire process. And basically it fell apart at the you know, in like eighty nine John Byrne had his proposed series uh, that would have been very pretty to look at, but I don't know if the concept would have been all that good uh, because he wanted, uh, Scott and I have talked about this before, he wanted Captain Marvel to be in his own universe (laughs) and not interact with any of the other heroes. Yeah, and see, that doesn't work for me only because that instantly 
eliminates the possibility of him and Superman duking it out, you know. And I, I'm always a sucker for a good Superman Captain Marvel fight, you know. So it was like three years later, with his only appearance being in like War of the Freaking Gods, uh, <laughs> where where this this uh, graphic novel seemed to come out of freaking nowhere, and right. it was two years before the ongoing series started. Really? Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah, the the graphic novel came out like 93, uh, either 93 or 94, but I think it was 93. And I remember reading about the ongoing series in the Wizard Magazine Zero Hour promo. Mag- they, they like released a special issue. And they had all of the books that were coming out of Zero Hour. One of them was Power of Shazam. And it didn't start till like four months later. And I was just like, when is this freaking book going to start? I want to read some freaking Captain Marvel. And I, you know, Chris, if you can find the back issues cheap, pick them up, dude. Yeah. Because it's a little wonky, it's a little uneven, and Ordway doesn't do the art. Right, right. But the covers But he are, wrote it, right? Yeah, but, yeah. And the covers are beautiful. Just everyone painted uh, and just uh, looking awesome. And the only problem I had with that book, and I think Scott shares my opinion of this, is that he introduced too much too soon. Yes. He didn't take his so. time. He didn't take his time, but for 48 issues, it was a fun ride. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, I need to I need to finish reading that at some point. Because, yeah, I, I read, I don't know, maybe like the first year. And it wasn't that I hated it or what, but it, it definitely was like way too. It, it basically tried to bring back, you know, every trope of the the pre crisis cap within like the first year, and it was just it felt really really rushed. Well, th- this may it makes me really feel good that I liked these comics because I I I, I sometimes I feel like that douche that is like. I outgrew superhero co- when I as I became a man I outgrew childish things right. or whatever and I I don't really feel that way but I don't want to come off like that going well I read lots of underground stuff and Walking Dead and stuff like that and it's like music I'm always griping I don't like this kids yeah yeah music nowadays but then and then I think well I'm just getting old and crappy and I just don't like new stuff but then I'll hear something new and like it and say oh no that's right most of the stuff is still crap. And this makes me. This made me realize, I can like new. You know, there are there are superhero comics that I'm gonna really dig right. if, I, if I can if I can find them. But for the most part, when I pick them up, and you know, pick up some superhero comic in the comic shop and flip through it, it just is. It's that sort of new, you know, that that new approach to it. And there's a little bit of that new approach in both of these. That little that revisionist rewrite history sort of thing, but it's got that. That you know the ideas and rules of the old classic fun fun comic books. Right, exactly. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I like I you know I don't care if my soup. You know, I I I really don't care. That, you know I that uh, okay superheroes or whatever guys in costumes or whatever. If it's fun, that's what it's supposed to be, and and it's inspiring to see that yes somebody's out there that gets it and is putting it out. I don't want some superhero angst drama rape story (laughs) (laughs) that's what it all seems you know right it is very yeah it's like that these days 
there's a lot of it out there, unfortunately, and it's it's just not. It's one of the reasons why I walked away. Uh, though I do have a recent thing to talk about a little later of the three or four things I have for the table tonight. So. Cool. You got the floor, buddy. Um, well, the first thing I wanted to talk about is my wife and I last weekend, um, not this past one, but the weekend before that, went to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, our anniversary is on the 14th of December. Uh-huh. And we, we try, when we can, to go back up to Chattanooga, where we honeymooned. And every time we go there, we stop at this one comic shop. And uh, the first year we were there in 2003, I bought a crapload of comics because they had, like, 15 or 20 long boxes that were three for a dollar. Uh-huh. So not only did I just get married, I'm buying cheap comics on my honeymoon, and my wife is fully supporting me. So, you know, I was living the dream. Yeah, and <laughs> and when we went back in two thousand three, it had changed owners uh, and became known as the Comic Hound. And thankfully, they were still there this year. Uh, and when we went back, um, the guy who owns it names Ray. He was nice as hell. We sat there and talked to him for about thirty minutes. We didn't even check into the hotel yet. It was the first place we hit because <laughs> it's the first exit off of seventy-five when you get into Tennessee from Georgia, and we had to go like three or four exits up to the hotel, and we didn't want to backtrack later. Uh-huh. So, and I bought a. I've been on a Spider-Man kick lately. So I managed to get, because he was having an end-of-the-year sale, a bunch of mid-80s Spider-Man that is now getting really freaking expensive uh, just because it's almost 30 years ago uh, for like two, three bucks a piece. And I, and I got about 15... Uh, I got about... No, how many books? The $2 books were... I got 15 of them. And it was about like $75 worth of comics if I had paid full price. So I got a deal. Um, and we went back the next day and got a few other things. But it was just really cool to go to another town and find a nice comic shop. You know, it was a, it was a really superhero-centric store. Uh, and, I, and I know that uh, Johnny Bueno likes to find the stores that have the weird stuff. Right, um, yeah. I'm kind of the exact opposite. It's nothing against Johnny. Don't get me wrong. Well, he's he's, he's he's you see, he used to be the superhero guy. He had he he collected Marvel comics, basic like literally Marvel comics from the beginning to like 1990. He had Marvel comics, and then he sold them to buy a house, and and so instead of restarting all that, his father was a collector of undergrounds. And he got a whole collection from his dad, and that just sort of got him the bug. So he's on that. It's that's his kick right now. Okay. Well, I just, I just don't want to come off that I was like talking yeah, shit yeah. about him or anything like that. So. Oh, that's okay. You can talk shit about him. People do. <laughs> <all the time. laughs> but uh, but it was it was cool. Um, it kind of made up for some of the other parts of the trip that were less than spectacular, like the open outlets in the hotel room, and the um, and the death ride that we took Sunday because they didn't tell us they were closing down rock city. Cause they have this enchanted garden of lights thing, which is really cool. Cause you walk through and it's, it's, you're like on a mountain and there's all these like Christmas lights and displays all over the place. And one area of rock city is like fairyland where they have all of these cutouts painted in black light paint Whoa. of uh, nursery rhymes. 
and there's a whole room where you go around it and it's 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 just one big panorama of like you know little miss muffet sat on her tuffet etc um they didn't tell us that they had they were closing it down so when we went to go down the mountain which is literally a fucking mountain <laughs> um it was snowy and slick and we were sliding and there was nothing but Uh-oh. between us and the thousand foot drop but a guardrail <laughs> I literally think I gave myself an ulcer driving down that mountain. I'm yeah. not quite sure. But um and and I saw the Bat Cave while we were up there too. I wanted to mention that we went to this place called Raccoon Mountain, which is not as rednecky as it sounds. It sounds pretty rednecky, man. Yeah, it does. I- no, it, it's a really cool underground cave. And there is this one section of the cave called the Palace. I forget it. It's something the the, the something palace because of all of the intricate rock uh, formations, but they have it where you can walk around it, and it's this big empty area in the middle. And all I saw when I walked into this area was where the back computer would be, and where the stairs from <laughs> Wayne Manor would be. And I'm like, oh, so this is how the back cave would feel. I understand <laughs> it now. <laughs> I've dreamed and fantasized my whole life of having my own back cave, and that seriously, to this day, I want a cave, you know, that I can live in. That's as comfortable as a bat cave, you know. Right. Not a drippy, slimy cave, but you know, a cave with computers and stuff. But man, that I, yeah, I, all all my life, I wanted a bat cave. Well, the thing about caves is it's a constant sixty degrees. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get really hotter, and it doesn't really get colder. And we actually, uh, there, it was a very tiny one, but we actually saw a bat when we were down there hibernating, and that was just cool in general because you don't. You know, when the fuck do you see that when you live in the suburbs, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I'm not a big nature nut, but I am. I, uh, I can be caught in the awe of nature, So, and Rachel wanted to go. And I got over my fear of claustrophobia over the weekend, so that was good. But yeah, now I know how the Batcave would feel, except, you know, it didn't smell like bat shit. Scott and I just had a nature encounter at uh, Popeye's Chicken today. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> This Scott's like, I'm, we're coming back. He's like, I'm hungry. I got to get something to eat. We pull up to the drive-thru at Popeye's. God damn it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Scott, never give me shit about eating at McDonald's again. Go on. <laughs> Hanging out at the drive-thru, you know, in the little gra- there's like a little patch of like shrubs and grass like uh, against the wall in front of the drive-thru b- before the door going in. Are like five or six full-grown, big old chickens, feral <laughs> wild chickens, hanging out. They hang. I was like, "Oh yeah, they're here all the time. They're hanging out outside of Popeyes." I had to get In out of the, the drive-through. Get out of my car with my video camera and go to the front of the building and film. You know the sign that said Popeyes, and and then pan down. And as soon as I pan down, almost on cue, one of the chickens goes. Bah, 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 Goes running across the street. There's all these chickens hanging out there, and Scott's like, you know, if they could get these chickens to hold, you know, picket signs, <laughs> it would, that would be great. You know, but of all the places for wild chickens to go hang out, how do they, you know, it's like they- a bunch of feral cows hanging outside of McDonald's. Outside I mean, of McDonald's, exactly, right. like waiting to rough people up going inside. Or something, <laughs> you know, but it's it, it was crazy. It's like they 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 knew to come there. You know, maybe that maybe maybe they knew they could smell a relative and they're just waiting for him to come out. Now and, they know they're going to wind up there eventually. Anyway, I'm thinking, so. yeah, what if they run? 
run out of chicken, you know, would Look, creative employee go out there and be like, honestly, think there is anybody in that building that can kill pluck and, and gut a chicken and clean it for proper and they're only going to get like, I mean they're only going to get like two, two maybe three meals worth of chicken out of it so. and it might be kind of tough too because they were kind of rangy they were they're, 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 they're definitely they're huge though they were big chickens but what the fuck is with Florida seriously is Florida, it Florida's messed up man let me tell you I've never awesome. been to Florida. I've never been to Florida before, but it's messed up. That, 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 I told you there's like a bubble of unreality here, and now you yeah. now you've experienced it. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, top that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I can't top that. So, but but if if you're in the Chattanooga area, I it's on Ringgold Road. Chicken, um, Fox Foxhound Comics really nice owners and that's the thing about it is that the owners were were friendly like they engaged you in conversation and talked about stuff instead of being like get your shit and get out <laughs> uh, which sadly is a lot of comic shops unfortunately that's my my local comic shop was like that to me for and what really pissed me off was i was going to it for years when scott and then scott moved to rochester goes are there any comic shops and i'm sure i said sure and i took him to the one comic shop Within a week, the guys is his his best friend. <laughs> I, we come in. We, I mean, I used to go in there every week on payday, every week, and I would go and experiment and buy all sorts of comics and and stuff, and I would get nothing from the owner but just like thanks, you know, or the hairy eyeball or whatever. <laughs> and then I go in there with Scott one week after he's moved into town. The guys like, hey Scott, and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is this is like the B plot of like just about every situation comedy ever. Yeah, you know that right? Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. The guy likes uh, the guy likes me now. He actually he knows my name now. And actually, whenever I go in there, he goes he goes two true freaks because I've been giving him the. Oh, that's cool. Go in there. Yeah, they listen to it over the sound system there. Apparently. Oh, so that's, cool. that's cool. That's very. Hey, if there's any comic shop out there that's actually playing two true freaks in the store. Let us know. We well, will hook you up with some now, sort of fucking deal. Now I'm t-shirt or now, something like that. Now I'm thinking about it, and that means and Andy. That's his name. Andy's probably listening to me talk shit. About it. <laughs> oh, he <just laughs> but it's true. And you didn't like me at first, Andy. You you admit you can admit. But who it, does really? You know that's true. I did, but I'm weird. Yeah, but, so. yeah, yeah. You haven't met me in person yet, though. I'm really creepy yeah. person. Yeah, I was about to say when when I saw that first picture, I'm like, when the fuck did Richard O'Brien go to visit Scott? <laughs> I used to have long stringy hair too, so that would have been yeah. I, I'll tell you, I, I hit I hit a peak at creepy today when I went all alone, rode all alone on the It's a Small World ride with a video camera. You know what? I I, I really want. I wish you would have filmed you, not not you, but like had Scott film you, and then you can put in the Marilyn Manson version of that scene in Willy Wonka where they're uh -huh. on the boat. <laughs> There's no really way of knowing. <laughs> I would not have slept for weeks. So. No, I was working while he was at while he was playing today. Oh. 
But uh, I just realized as you were doing that comic review, that was I had this list in my head like a couple weeks ago when we were talking about doing this episode of like some subjects, and the the list has since like quickly evaporated to where I couldn't remember a fucking thing that I wanted to talk about today. But you reminded me when you were doing your comic shop review that I was actually supposed to do a comic shop review of that comic shop that uh, Shag took me to. Okay. Uh, up by where his sister-in-law lived. Unfortunately, Shag and I were just talking about that last night, as a matter of fact. I, I can't remember. Do you know what the name of the place is? No. I, ca- I cannot remember the, what the name of the place is. So, unfortunately, I can't. I still can't do the review. But I'm, I'll find out, and I'll do a review. Because it was actually a really good comic shop. It's, and, it's in Sanford, Florida, and I loved it. I, I thought just it was thought really nice. I just thought of something. If we ever get Shag on the phone, uh, on the show... We got three people just to gang up on his ass, man. We could, we could just. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, man. That that I I just I. He's, Listen to him. He's crying. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you was. Know, talk- I hang up the phone and I live my life, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> I was talking to Scott today, and I was like, I know Mike Bailey hates it that I call him. That I keep calling him the the comic book genius. But I was thinking, you know, now with the three of us, you could be the comic book genius, I'll be the comic book moron, and I just thought of what Scott is. The comic book bastard. <laughs> I like this. So you come out on top and all that anyway, I guess. I don't know. The bastard. We need, we need to have pictures of Scott with, like, his hands on his eyes and me with my hands on my mouth. And you- <laughs> <laughs> I like oh my this God. idea. Yeah, we could get McFarland to make a three-figure set to sell it. Con- <laughs> <laughs> He's probably hard up for cash, which is probably a lie. The toys are probably uh-huh. still broken. <laughs> well, we were looking. Well, we, I don't we know, man. Looking- they seem to always wind up in the clearance section, so you know. <laughs> well, well, we were seeing them in the stores at Disney, weren't we? Was that where we saw? We no, saw- it was at the flea market. Oh, was it was at the Jerry- flea market. Whoops. Jerry Garcia. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, I, uh, I guess I did not make because I thought it would have been hysterical to buy that box set that we saw of, of the Star Trek, the classic Star Trek crew on the bridge of the Enterprise, mm. and then put Jerry Garcia like right in the middle of them. Yeah, he could be like, <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, <laughs> Come on, children! <laughs> oh God, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> you know what? I, I I assume you know he could be like that evil Burger the King. The evil Burger yeah. King, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, where the hell were we going with all this? I, I anyway, uh, I didn't know if Chris or, or or you had anything before I went on to my next thing, so I was just. Well, waiting. I, I will throw. Out, nice. I will throw out one thing um, before I end up forgetting about it. One one thing, and I'm really serious about this. One of my favorite podcasts has has come back from you know the netherworld yeah they uh, yeah they, they had pod faded a while ago and you know they they did the you know the big send-off kind of thing and it really looked like you know they weren't going to come back although there was kind of a cryptic teaser at the end of the episode you know to kind of Stay tuned, and maybe something would happen somewhere down the road. Well, they actually they they came back, and they they've got I don't know four or five new episodes out now, and uh, they're just as good as they ever were. I'm really enjoying the show, and I'm so glad that they came back because they are hands down one of the goddamn funniest podcasts on the internet. 
and that's uh, Quiet Panelologists at Work. Uh, find this show. You can find it at um, Panelologists. That's spelled P-A-N-E-L-O-L-O-G-I-S-T-S, panelologists.libson.com. Check them out. It's, it, I'm telling you, it's laugh out loud funny. These guys are freaking hysterical. They're, they're really, really funny guys. It's, and you're British, gonna, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, Brit- a, it's very British humor. If yeah, I it's, it, yeah, it's an English show. It's, uh, it's two guys. It's Matt and John. And they just, you know, they're, they're kind of like Chris and I. They just, or, or me and you, Mike. I mean, they're just, you know, a couple of guys hanging out talking about their, the comics that they buy every month. And I really get a kid. Their, their humor is, I mean, they're just really, really funny. But it's funny as I, I was I'm listening to the show because I felt bad when they went away because you know I had been listening to them and then at one point uh, you know a couple years ago I got badly backed up on all of my pods it was around the time I got laid off right I went from having like all this time to listen to podcasts to like zero time to listen to podcasts so I got horribly backed up on all of my podcasts. And some of them just had to get weeded out. And unfortunately, I, I just kind of sort of fell away from, from the show and I stopped listening. And then the next thing I know, I remember seeing a post on whatever forum we were on at the time where it was like, well, this is our final episode. And I was like, holy shit, they're going away? I mean, they're, they're like the damn funniest thing on the Internet. Why, you know, How can they be going away? So I listened to it and I was like really sad and I felt really guilty that, you know, that I hadn't been listening. So now, you know, I, I've started listening now that they've come back, but now I'm listening through the library of like all the ones that I missed. And it's funny because just like you and I, Mike, you can track the progress of where they started to kind of become disenchanted. <laughs> I'm serious. It's, it's such a, a funny parallel. They're really bringing the humor and they're trying to make it funny and kind of poke fun at themselves and the industry. But you can clearly hear it you know, kind of, you know, in between where they're actually pretty serious because I, I recognize it only because I, I've heard the same things, you know, in, in both of us, you know, in, in you and I, as far as, you know, becoming to the point where you, you had event fatigue and you weren't interested in characters anymore because they just got so horribly fucked up and just, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. And it was like, wow, you know, so it's not just us, you know? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, that, that, that really is like the first hundred episodes of views from the long box when you really want to break it down. Right. Is, is me going through, I talked about this on a recent episode, the five stages of fan grief. Right. And, <laughs> okay. and, and I'm serious. I really went through, you know, denial, uh, bargaining uh anger uh what is what is the other one i can't remember i used to have them memorized um it's denial anger bargaining depression and then acceptance and finally acceptance yes and and, and i, I kind of hit that i hit that uh, about right around thanksgiving where i i woke up literally and this is going to sound silly but it's not is I woke up and I realized that I hadn't bought a new issue of Superman in four or five months. I've actually walked past newsstands that had new issues and didn't buy them, but I wo- and all that, and I thought that was good, but I woke up and I'm like, I don't miss it. And that's when it hit me that I'd gotten to that point where it's okay. Right. You know, everything's fine. The world See, didn't might, end. 
Uh-huh. And I'm still reading comics. I'm just not reading what I read because it's not for me. That must be nice because, see, I get hung up at anger and never get any further. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, anger, oh, here we go. <laughs> no, but, but I thought about it is that, you know. <laughs> There's other steps? <laughs> it, no, because I thought about it. I thought about it specifically with the Superman books is when they started to kind of go off the rails around 2007. I was like, nah, it's okay, it's fine. You know, this this isn't too bad. This isn't different. You know, and, and then there's denial. And then it's God damn it, this shit fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, god damn it, I hate everything. Blah 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 blah. And then it was well, okay, I'm gonna hang on, I'm gonna give them three more issues. And if I don't like it, then I'll stop it. Three issues go by. Okay, I'm gonna give them two more months. <laughs> and then I'll drop it. And then it was the depression is, God damn it, I hate this shit. This is really depressing me. This has like been an important part of my life for over two decades. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm good. I've got comics to read. Everything's fine. <laughs> so. I, I've gotten sort of that to that point, but I don't know. The more that I, I think, I'm still more at the at the anger phase. Well, the, the still, good, I, the I good really... thing about comics is even if not a single new comic, you know, tickled you guys' fancy, there's so many comics out there mm-hmm. that you're never gonna ever have to worry about like being at some point in the time going. I just there's no more comics in the world to read. You right. Know? You're always gonna be you know so. That's at least, you know, it, it, I mean, it would be nice if new stuff that was coming out that was fantastic. Well, and maybe it will happen again. Well, there maybe is. It's, it's just not to... Marvel and DC right, anymore. Right. Well, no, you see, I can't even say that because one of the other things I wanted to bring up is that recently I got caught up on, because of the great eBay deal that I talked about it the last time I was on Comics Monthly Monday, I finally got to read through Fall of and World War Hulks which was the big Hulk story that was running through both titles for uh-huh. a while there. And I got to tell you, this is some of the best Hulk I have ever read in my entire life. Really? It's not better than the Peter David run, which I kind of hold the pinnacle of Hulk. Uh, it's not better than the Bill Mantlo stuff when he was, well, where he Bruce Banner had control of the Hulk's body. Right. And he went through that whole thing where he became a hero and then fell from grace. You know, it's not as good as that, but as a visceral feeling of, these books hit me. And I, and, I, and I went back and I reread all of Jeff Loeb's Hulk from the Adjectiveless Hulk series, number one, through to the end of, you know, his last issue, which was 24, and reading Incredible Hulk 600 and the Incredible Hulk series and getting to know Scar, who is Hulk's son. And it was just... It had the story beats that I want from a Hulk story. Because there's a long stretch of it where Bruce Banner can't change into the Hulk. Right. But when he comes back as the Hulk, it is everything you would want from that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, when he's getting irradiated again, they make it look like the panel from Incredible Hulk number one when he first gets hit with the gamma rays and screaming. You can see that in my head, yeah. And then it hits you with a two-page splash of the Hulk just standing there screaming. And it's just like, 
<laughs> and, and there's some twists and turns along the way. Now, is this effect. McGinnis drawing this? Uh, no, McGinnis didn't draw that. Paul Pelletier. Oh, uh, shit, yeah. Drew that, that scene, and it was fucking awesome. His style is so that... different from when he was on Green Lantern. You have to give me a list of what, what titles this is. I'd, li- I'd actually like to check That's that out, because I like him. Um, but yeah, McGinnis draws most of the Jeff Loeb written ones. Uh-huh. Uh, the last issue especially was, was really cool, because it's the 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 final showdown between the Red Hulk and the Green Hulk. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not going to give away anything of it. The only I, thing I, I know who it, I heard who it was, and I was like, "Really? Okay, it works. Okay. It totally works." Because the issue 23, where he reveals how it happened, he uses so much of that character's backstory to justify what happened. All right, my thing is though, wouldn't Red Hulk have a mustache? Um, you know what? A lot of people have talked about that, <laughs> and uh, Jeff Loeb addressed it. And um, what what did uh? Ed McGinnis's answer was, it goes to the same place as eyebrows do. So, because yeah. his eyebrows disappear too. But here's the backdrop of that story the leader and the mad thinker and the wizard and all of these other big brain villains team up and form this group known as the Intelligentsia. And basically, they're going to take over the United States because they think they're smart enough to rule it. And, 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 and push society where it needs to be. And the only thing standing in their way is the Hulk. <laughs> hmm. And they and it's just That actually does sound good. That does it? sound good. I always I always like supervillains teaming up to rule the world. And so it has an Illuminati, you know, yeah, feel I to knew it. you were gonna go there. And, but it does and, actually well, sound, I mean, it does sound, sound sounds like, like their the, the name of their group is just a play on like the Illuminati, and that's yeah. you know that's sort of the idea of the Illuminati. Well, it's also a play on the concept of like the 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 smarty pants who think you know the intelligentsia. Yes, yes. Um, it's it, you know not everything about this story is going to make you go, oh my god, this is awesome. But taken as a whole, it's fantastic, and you really have to read. From that first six-issue story, Hulk one to six, because all of the groundwork is laid there. But here's the awesome thing about it: one of the things that kind of annoys me about current comic book storytelling is the fact that you know the writer is setting something up so you feel like you have to pay attention, as opposed to the old days when they were only like thinking like six months ahead and then would go back and see where they could fit it into. So it feels more organic that way. That's what this story feels like. It feels like Loeb did that story and and then later went, you know, I could use this here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. And then folds it back in, and it's just like, oh my god, this is awesome. And, you know, there's a red She-Hulk, which I thought was going to be stupid. Her identity was great. There is a new She-Hulk named Delira, who is from a future... Where are you guys familiar with the character Thundra? Yeah, yeah. She basically went back to her future because that's where she's from, where she's part of this race of warrior women with some of Hulk's genetic material, Ooh, and brought a daughter into the world. And she is the ah, daughter of <laughs> of the Hulk and Thundra. And then you have Scar, son of Hulk from Planet Hulk, which I thought was going to be the dumbest idea ever. But once he was taken off of that planet. 
and ran around with Bruce Banner, and for six issue, Bruce Banner was training him to kill the Hulk because he knew that's what Scar wanted, and it all becomes part of the overall plan. I mean, it's just I read it and I just couldn't get enough of it. So I will, I'll, uh, I'll send you all a, a list of the yeah. books, yeah, and okay. how I think you okay. should read them. If you pick them up in trades, I don't think you're going to miss anything at all. Um, but I liked reading the individual issues because <laughs> I like it reading individual issues most of the time. But. How I think you should read them, and I'm thinking of like getting a list that says, okay, read this one on the shitter, <laughs> this one in the bathtub, read this um, one while you're driving to work. Pretty soon, Brad Douglas, Big Honk, and Steve and I are going to get together for an episode of Views to really go into the story, which is why I didn't really want to go into it too deeply here. But I really want to recommend it as a current storyline that I enjoyed the crap out of. That that gave me those... There were several moments in here, Scott, that was the Superman revealed to be Captain Marvel moment in Public Enemies. Oh, okay. Where you get up and go, and you want to spike the damn comic. Did you watch that? Have you seen that, Chris? No, I have Enemy? no idea what you We should try to about. watch that while, while you're here. It's a, it's a Superman-Batman movie. It's a standalone movie, animated, and it's called Public Enemies. I think you'd appreciate it, because it's, it, it's got a great, bringing it all back to the beginning of the show, it's got yes. a great Captain Marvel moment in uh-huh. it. Oh. Yeah, I think yeah like a hell yeah moment. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's. It's great. It's. It's. I was. I was blown away with it. That's the one I was telling you where I watched it, and then I was jumping up and down on the couch, going, "Yes, yes, yes, yes!" I was like having like a total geek out over it, man. It was. So I love those cool. moments. I love those moments. I always get those moments alone when I'm watching some great movie alone, where I'll be in my room, and all of a sudden I realize I'm like waving my fist in the air, going, "Oh yeah!" And I'm like, "Who am I talking to?" <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the voices of my head. Yep. They tell me to do nice things. <laughs> it's kind of disconcerting. <laughs> but um, I only had one more thing. I don't know if you guys have anything else to kind of bring to the table. Um, I did, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> so run with it. Um, a great recent eBay score. Um, you ever get a good deal on eBay, and then you get the uh, the comics or whatever you ordered in the mail and they exceed every expectation you had. Yes, yeah. I, I actually have a bunch of times. I love that when that happens. So I won a lot off of eBay recently and it contained Web of Spider-Man number 1 to 18 and then a bunch of issues in the 30s and the 40s of that title. I won it for $24 with shipping. Okay? Bad at all. So that's 37 issues for $24. And these books are actually getting to be more expensive because like I was explaining earlier, the 80s is now almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So basically going towards the theory that has been prevailing over the last couple of decades, books that are 30 years older than the decade you're in start to automatically get more expensive even though they're really not worth that much. Yeah, they're technically... Well, they're technically... I think after 20 years, you can technically call something an antique. Yeah. Also, you know, so that puts them also, at, you know, there's a, they're collectible, but then they also become an antique. It's almost, it's, it's a, it's a very close distinction, you know, but it's, right. it is, you know. 
So, so uh, and especially these web ofs, because web of number web of Spider-Man number one is is like worth. I've seen like fifteen to twenty-five dollars in places. Yep. Because it's an important issue. It's got a beautiful Charles Vest cover of Spidey sitting among the gargoyles, and this is like the a full run of one to eighteen, and then it's a very underappreciated title too. Um, a lot of the covers in the first ten or fifteen issues were done by John Byrne. John Byrne, yeah. Um, and one of the ones that came was 32, which is that Mike Zek cover of Spider-Man crawling out of the grave. Yes. It's a pretty iconic cover. These things are beautiful. Mm -hmm. The cover, the colors on the covers are bright and crisp. The pages are white. So they're like almost pristine mint then. Yes. I'm, I was looking through them. I, I got the package today, and I started looking through them, and I'm like, and I'm like showing them to Rachel. I go, Rachel, look at this. <laughs> so not only did I get these books cheap, I got great editions of the books cheap from one of the nicest guys I have ever dealt with on eBay, who dropped me an email this morning to tell me, oh, by the way, your package should be there today. So tell me if everything, if anything goes wrong. See, and and, and those guys like. Every time I've 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 had you know surprisingly great <coughs> luck with comic I've had great luck with buying comics on eBay and terrible luck with selling them, but I found the people that like you get that work you know that are really good sellers they always kind of they always kind of under present you know what the comic is they 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 underestimate the the condition of it a little bit. So that when you get it, it's a, a little bit better, and you're happy with it. And those are the, those are the people I like. I've had a, a bunch of the, those. Uh, um, a lot of those Star Wars comics I sent you were part of this big. Uh, you know, that's how I got a lot of doubles. Is I bought this big lot of like sixty Star Wars comics, and um, and I can't remember how much it cost me, but it was it was pretty cheap, and um, and it was from a comic shop. And, you know, he had them all listed as, like, fine, you know, maybe very fine. But the majority of them were pretty much close to mint. And it's funny because he must have had them in his shop. He had them in his shop, and they were all, like, had stickers on them for 10 or $15. And my, um, my roommate, <laughs> she's, she's looking through all these Star Wars comics I got, and she's like, how much did you pay for this? And I'm like, I don't know, like $35? And she's like, well, you know, when you tally this all up at 10 or $15, I'm like, Th- those are... That guy was dreaming when he had fifteen dollars on some of those comics, you know. Well, there was a time there where the books would probably go for that much. It's just they didn't sell, and that's the nature of any collectible. Is you know, eBay, as I've said before on this show and elsewhere, is the great arbiter of what a comic is truly worth. Exactly. Well, that's why I say that's why I don't buy the comic book price guides anymore because I'm like, why bother? I mean, actually, they're a good thing to show you relative. To other things, what's yeah. valuable and not, but the true price of it, eBay is yeah, the, literally the best place to find out the true price of a comic, because you can look at it and go, holy shit, a hundred dollars, and then hit you know finished auctions and say, oh yeah, actually people are paying a hundred dollars, or you can see a hundred finished auctions where nobody's bought it and going, okay, well it might say in the guide that it's a hundred dollars, but nobody's gonna go for that, you right, know? and. Yeah, that's one of the wonderful things about eBay is it's it's a true like moment to the moment view on the market, you know. 
I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking on it right now, and I see a lot that has web of numbers one to nineteen, and and it's got a buy it now price of forty of forty five dollars. So some people think very highly of the books, and then you have another lot that's one to thirty six plus the first annual for thirty. So, like I always say, shop around. Yeah. And, <laughs> Don't and, hit on the first auction you see. Yep, and as as a matter of fact, I always encourage people, unless you have to have to have it right now, to really take your time. Shop around, shop around first, and then wait, and keep your eyes open. And like, unless you see it, unless you shop around and see it really cheap, almost invariably, and this goes for anything besides comics. Someday you're going to find that one person who just totally underestimates it or could care less if they're worth a million dollars. He paid five bucks for him, and if he gets ten dollars for him, you made his day, you know? Right. And and if you're patient enough, you know, it, uh, all that good stuff that you want will turn up eventually at the price you want it to. You just have to wait. It, sometimes it might take years. But uh, I still haven't figured. I know Scott's got it down to a science. The, the whole using eBay and to, um, you know, having a whole bunch of standing searches. So eBay just checks all the time for the yeah. stuff you want. I've never set that up, but I should because, yeah, that way you're, you 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 know you just wait you just wait till the price you want you know. If you're and if you're patient enough, it usually comes. And, you know, I've had this conversation with Scott a bunch of times, is that if I'm buying comics cheap, I'm pretty easy on condition. Uh, right, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be falling apart, but it doesn't have to be mint. So to get it cheap, less than a dollar an issue. Um, not quite 50 cents, but almost. Um, and to have them in such remarkable shape, and to be shipped to me in bags and boards. Mm-hmm. And I this guy, cares. and I am always impressed with the guy that knows how to ship comics because there's an art to this. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just pack them all on top of each other because then they slant. Right. Uh, just put a stack of comics together. You'll see it freaking happen because the 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 spine is always just a little thicker than the other side of the book. Uh, yep. So you have to flip them over and do that. And he wrapped, he not only did that, he wrapped them in backing boards, basically, making his own right. makeshift box. And then he put it in, pa in with packing peanuts and oh, the poppy wow. things. And then he put it in the box. Save him as a save him as a seller for. I did, I did, because he says he 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 emailed me. He's like, I'm gonna have some more comics up after the first of the year. I'm like, I'm fucking there. Yeah, I was gonna say keep keep emailing this guy and make friends with him because then you'll be the eventually eventually he won't even he'll cut out the middleman and just call you up and go, hey, look, I got something for you, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm just a big fan of, as you and I have discussed, Chris. It is a freaking buyer's market on eBay yeah. right now. Yeah, so. it is. Speaking of those Web of Spider-Mans that you just got now, uh, one of my favorites in that bunch is I love the cover to uh, Web of Spider-Man number six. 
where the building made of gold is collapsing. Mm-hmm. And that crosses uh, over with an amazing cover. Yeah, it's amazing uh, 268. I always wanted to see a poster of this because I'm pretty sure that those two pictures match up to where one, you know, Web of Spider-Man number six is Spider-Man swinging away in the red and blue costume and 260, Amazing's 268 he's swinging away in the uh, symbiote costume. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. I can always Photoshop it up for you. Yeah, you I'd know? love to see that. Yeah, that's great, though. That'd make a great poster. You know what? I, I just realized I have a whole bunch of these webs of, webs of the Spider-Man that I that got. Was a, it's a, it's that, a really good series. I got it in that whole crate full of comics I bought from that guy oh, yeah. who we brought to my house. It's a whole, I, I, just looking at the cover, it's like, hey, those look familiar. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've got a little little stack of those well I, I've just kind of put together a little Spider-Man collection because Spider-Man is one of those characters that I've never really read a whole lot of but it seems like the late 80s is like you know the mid to late 80s is the era to read of Spider-Man right uh, very classic era so since I have so much of it uh, I, find, I have them actually they're sitting right under me right now in a, in a reading order for me and I bought this so I could just film more of the web ofs. Now, if my ducks are in a row and something comes through for Rachel and I, I'll actually be buying a friend's Spider-Man collection that goes back to, like, the 150s all the way up to the end of the 90s. Oh, damn. And it's, like, full runs of Spectacular Spider-Man and web of and, and all that. Now, I'll buy that, but here's my plan, is if... I may hang on to these web ofs and sell the ones that I get from him because these are so nice. Mm-hmm. But basically, I'm in a really nice position then that I can actually recoup some of my payings by selling the doubles on oh, eBay. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I've always done. Yeah, that's, so, that's how you amass a big collection right there. Um, so that's my plan. I hope it comes through. A couple things have to fall into place for it because it, it's going to be a you know a nice chunk of change all at once. But uh, but even though I'm buying these now, I know, well, you know, if I figure if I have a more complete set when I go to sell the doubles, I'll have a better chance yes. of getting more money out of it. Right. Because then I can sell lots of them, you know, yes. like 1 through 10 and tw- 11 through 20 and all of that and, s- like, lowball it and see where it goes. Yeah, and then, those, those lo- the lots are always a better idea, uh, although sometimes sometimes selling them individually can be a good idea because there's a lot of people who just like one or two and they want to get those but at, not as much as selling the lots it's you get not more, as cost efficient as it it's used not to as be. cost efficient to you yeah it could be cost efficient to just put a million auctions up but ebay ebay's yeah their prices has, have gone up and i've also found out i think we were talking about this in the last one they they have a weird impenetrable system of checks and balances and rewards and um you know, and stuff where is if if you have, and nowadays you almost have to have a hundred percent rating to do. If you have a hundred percent rating, they charge you less and stuff like that. Right. And there, there's uh, there's a lot of people who now who are like, I don't buy from anybody who has under a ninety seven percent rating and stuff. And and they will dock you if you're not getting a hundred like five stars out of five star ratings from your, or they'll charge you a little more. You know, they're. Right now, they're sort of almost demanding perfection if you want right. it to be cost-effective. Which Well, the nice thing about me being a, a buyer is usually I know when the... I, I plan for the auction to end right when the paycheck comes in. Mm-hmm. 
so I can just, as soon as the auction ends, pay for it. Yep. And eBay sellers love that. Love that. <laughs> that's that's my. I always do that too. I pay, as soon as I want, you know, I know the time it, it. As soon as I win it, I take care of all my business right then. And I love that because I started doing. I wasn't. I was a seller long before I was a buyer. It was. It was like years before I actually bought anything on eBay. And now I'm more of a buyer than a seller. That's going to change once I'm done with my podcast vacation. <laughs> I'm going to be back to full-time eBay selling, but um, where was I going with that? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm also going to admit that I'm a little curious what's going to happen now that I have built something of an audience of comic book fans that are constantly wanting to buy the stuff that we talk about, that if I talk about it... Are and then making competition? <laughs> Well, I tell you what. Don't tell them about the. Don't tell them you're bidding on a good auction. That's all. No, no, no. What I mean is, is that when I go to sell them, do an episode about it, and then oh. say, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> I have a bunch of lots on eBay that are cheap." Well, have now is the hey. time for them to be getting out there and scouring those back issue bins for the um, NFL Super Pro because when we start up our, yeah. start up the tales of the NFL Super Pro, they're going to be sorry that they didn't snap them up. Well, yeah, and that series is so good. Um, it's it's you know, very underrated. You know, un underrated as in it should be under a cat box. Okay, I was wondering. I was just I, I'm looking at Scott. He's got the poker face here. <laughs> I know I detect some. Some sarcasm there, but it's sarcasm me surprisingly dry coming from Scott. Now it's usually his sarcasm's wrapped in a nice, identifiable pocket of hatred. Oh, <laughs> he's handing me one right now. Oh, I don't know if I can read this. The spine is rolled. Oh, how how could you? Because I probably wipe my ass. How with could you let this? Point. How could you let this comic go into the? Ooh, this art is just it jumps, it crackles. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it crackles when you start a fire. fire yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it freaking crackles. But <laughs> you, need to, you need to read that because we need to talk about that on the show. The three of us. Yeah, we Scott will, and I have already read it, so somebody else. Okay, well, I guess if you guys went through oh it, I guess I, I feel like I should have to. I was going to say. Really, you're asking me to to do that, but if it's, you guys did, I'll do it too. Well, the funny thing about that book is, if you would have taken the NFL aspect like, out of it, he looks like NFL RoboCop Judge Dread mixed <laughs> together that last page. It looks like a suit of armor, basically. It would have been like every '70s era superhero pilot ever. Mm -hmm. But because it involves the NFL, which Scott, I, I know, hates football. I can watch the sport, but I'm not a big fan. I can't sit there and name stats and team listings and all that kind of stuff. I don't mind football. I hate football players. Right. Um, and, and we were joking about, well, what, who would want to watch this? And then, like, on Nickelodeon, I think they have the, uh, the Rush Zone Guardians of the Core TV series, which is about... A, a superhero football thing, which I was like, wow, did they just read NFL Super Pro and just did it differently? Very interesting. <laughs> Speaking of watching stuff, and Scott will appreciate this because it's going to involve his employer. If you have Disney XD, watch Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Oh, how is that? I haven't heard anybody say anything about okay. it yet. In the first episode, it's a two parter. 
there is a little modern Avengers because basically what happens is the vault, the helicarrier that S.H.I.E.L.D. has that houses all of these supervillains, like 75 supervillains, break out. And during the course of the melee and the first big uh, villain they fight, which is Graviton, Ant-Man, the Wasp, Iron Man, Thor, and Hulk come together as a team. Hmm. In the third episode, technically the second story, an old villain of Thor, not Loki, I'll give that much away, tricks the Avengers into fighting the Hulk, and the Hulk walks away. Is it the Absorbing Man? No. It's, it's, it's an Asgardian villain. Oh, okay. In the, third ish, in the third episode, or third story, fourth episode, so number four, Captain America comes back. Oh. So, and what they're doing is they're building a team. The team is like, they're adding members as they go along. Black Panther, or Batman, as I like to call him, because that's essentially who he freaking is in the show. Black Batman. Um. Uh, comes onto the team, and then Hawkeye, and then Hulk comes back, and Black Widow and all that. But as that's happening, the villain team is building. So more of the villains are teaming up. And if you like classic superhero fun, this is the show to watch. I've been meaning to check it out, because I, I think I downloaded the first several. I know I've got them on a disc somewhere. I just never got around to I watching have to, them. I have to start catching up on all these uh, superhero cartoons, because it sounds like there's a whole bunch of superhero cartoons out recently in the last few years that have been getting it right. Yeah, yeah Spectacular that- Spider-Man, which was on the Kids WB a couple years ago. There were two seasons of that. It is the Batman the Animated Series for Spider-Man. Oh. They nail the character wow. in its villains. And it's just because we watched it, we watched the first season on Netflix. And I can always judge if something's really good if Rachel will sit there and get into it, my wife. And she got into both the Spider Man cartoon and she got into the Avengers. In fact, she was watching the Avengers without me at one point. Hmm. Well, apparently. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me, but apparently Spider-Man's really hard to get right because it doesn't seem like, at least, you know, adapting him outside of the comic book world. And I always pictured Spider-Man, you know, I mean, as a fun, wise, you know, wise cracking, uh, you know, superhero. And it's pretty simple with, with teenage or young guy problems, you know. But, like, I mean, the movies, you know, whatever... You know, I just never really got into the movie. I, I enjoyed them, but I never felt that, that you know... I mean, he's got a little Bugs Bunny in him. You know, he he, yeah, makes, he, fun, he makes fun of people. You know, he's he teases them and taunts them. Like, you know, like Bugs Bunny would kiss Elmer Fudd on the top of the head. And yeah. Would give him a big smack and then run... Smackaroo and then run away. And that's what Spider-Man does. He eggs people on and... That never got captured in the movies, and you know you had the t- the seventies TV show, and then you had well, actually, the one that the the only one, although they were too short, that um that you know just nailed it was uh, the Electric Company. Yeah, yeah, I did like that. And Spider Man and his amazing friends to a certain extent, but that was more of your typical Saturday morning stuff. The only reason I love it so much, and people of my generation, is it's what we grew up with. Right, right. Stuff. And uh, but I thought the old animated stuff from the '60s was pretty damn good. It too. was it was pretty good. But I mean, I like this. Took over, yes. Yeah, 
I, I, but you know, I mean, so, something that really gets it one hundred percent right, and it doesn't, right. you know, it doesn't seem. I don't think that's impossible. As a matter of fact, I don't. I think the only thing that stands between that is like create, you know, having a good writer and doing some hard work, you know, like re- caring about it, you know, the character and and the, doing that. So I'm, I'm, I got you got you guys got to write me down a list of all these because you were talking well, about the there was a Justice the League. Just, yeah, I think cartoon. you. Were- well, not just the Justice League, but I think the whole DCAU. Yeah, um, with starting with Batman, the, the animated Batman series. Batman the animated series. I would say I've seen Batman the animated Batman series the animated series, it. Superman the animated series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. If you watch them from beginning to end, they form an arc, and they form basically one all encompassing story. I think you'd get into it big time because it's not written down. You know, it's it's right, written right. very intelligently. The action is like I mean, there's episodes that are like, well, you know, you'll walk away going, people, "Holy shit!" Why can't you know, the people who make these into movies, you know, these these you know hour and a half movies, look at these half hour TV shows and go, "Oh, geez," you know, they, they get the Hollywood. They still have the Hollywood mentality, so they're yeah. looking at it and trying to be true to the form. They're not trying to be true to the characters or whatever. They're trying to take it and go, you know. Superman's pretty lame. Well, How can we make him cool well, yeah, with the I Hollywood mean, thing? Well, let's have Leonardo DiCaprio in it, and well, let's that's do not this, and let's do that. What they take out of it? Why they can't say that and say, "Well, these cartoons." I, I assume these cartoons are doing pretty good because they keep making oh, yeah. them. Yeah, they keep yeah. making them, and people like them. And 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 why they and and you know when they're making these movies that they are aware of all this other stuff, and I'm sure the writers of the movies are watching it. And and and, and you know, okay, what you said, you know, they want to change things around, but. You'd think they would say, "Okay, these don't ha- uh, these are dumbed down, but guess what? People are still watching them, and kids are still watching them, which means kids are." And I, I, I just gotta say, you know, when when we were kids, if stuff wasn't dumbed down, we got it, you know, right? We, we exactly. It. Yeah, we, we understood those stories, and if there was something too adult in it, maybe we didn't get it. But for the most part, you know, a a complicated story with good characters or and a good plot. Wasn't right over our heads, and when we were kids. We we weren't always like, "Come on, get to the punchy, punchy. Where is it?" Or you know, or whatever. Or like, right. I don't understand what's going. I've ne- I I never remember Scott and I sitting around going, "I don't understand what's going on in this comic." I would take just about. There are some clunkers in there, but I would take just about any episode of Batman the Animated Series, and say you could have done this as a one-hour live-action drama on prime time and done just as well. If you ever watched right. the Flash TV series, yeah, that was great. It's very close in that tone. Yeah, I mean, very much. So. The, the only thing that that held doesn't help that doesn't hurt the, the special effects of the time. Some of them were a little goofy, but I love that they had yeah, yeah, the, and they thought of the details. They had scenes of him just gobbling down having to gobble down food to mm-hmm. make up for the you know, it was yeah, it had respect for the it had respect for the character. There is an episode of of Batman the Animated Series after it went to the kids WB and it changed like the style completely the, changed like the, of it to the more anime angled sort of stylized. You mean there is a scene where the Scarecrow backhands Batgirl off of the roof of yes. a building. Yeah, Batgirl plummets to the ground. And crashes into Commissioner Gordon, the car Commissioner Gordon is driving up in. This is a kid's cartoon, ostensibly. Yeah. But 
they have enough respect for the audience because they know some older people are watching it. But, you know, I think they have enough respect that kids would get that, might be a little disturbed, what would probably just go with it. Uh-huh. But it's still, like Scott said, you walk away from that, it's like, I just saw somebody fall off a building and die. Mm-hmm. And it's a cartoon, but it still gets to you, and that's one of the best episodes of that season, yeah, by the way. That, oh, my that's God. Because yep. it's basically Batgirl dies and Commissioner Gordon goes after Batman. Yeah, it was gr- that's a good one. Because for a lot of that episode, you just don't know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. You know what? I was reading more superhero comics. Duh, what? I was reading those Batman, di- those Dan Slott Batman yeah. Digest, and they were great. And they... And I mean, they they really had the feel of the animated show, you know. But they were all the, these digests, and they would have a bunch of little short stories that all worked into one arc, and they weren't too complicated, but they weren't too simple, and they were just, and they just captured that. You know, I lo- they had one where he ha- he was, you know, doing something in Arkham, and you know, he was he the Joker was all. Um, on psychotropic drugs to keep him calm and the joker was at you know and you realize batman's kind of friends with all these enemies because he spends so much time catching them and putting in there that he knows them and some some of them were helping him because it aided their cause at that point and the joker was helping him because the joker was medicated and was happy and and two-face flipped his coin and i was watching it going this is great. This is, you know, there's so much going on about the relationship between Batman and his his villains and it's not that Christopher Nolan like I am the flip side of you. You are like me. We're like each other and we're in a de-. you know, it was it was just great human, you know, human interactions. It was humanizing on his villains and it was it was great and it was and you could tell it was made for kids and right. and but still was enough there to make it really good for adults too, and that's what comic books superheroes should be to me. I lo- I love the fact that like, and those Shazam books brought it home to me, and and maybe it's because I'm sitting in a kid's room, reading <laughs> kids comic books that are all piled up, and in he, the race car bed. It was so cool. He he like he goes. I left a whole bunch of comic books, you know, by the side of the bed. You know, I thought you might want to read. And there's a whole, they were all. It's very Scott Gardnerish. They were all piled up in order and <laughs> very neatly by the side of the bed. And I was just like, oh my god, it's this is Scott's kid. Yep. It's one of those life moments where you know, I mean, I mean, you know, you know how it. It doesn't seem like hardly yesterday that we were snotty nosed teenagers. And now here I am sitting here, like with Scott's son handing me comic books to read. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the, the son becomes the father, and the father. <laughs> Scott's, Scott's going, oh God, oh, I hope he doesn't become the father. Well, actually, no, the father's doing pretty damn good right now. I am. I'm so happy for you, Scott. Except for his really gorilla good. look that he's <laughs> been working on. As long as he's not hung like one, he's fine. <laughs> Speaking of gorillas, there's going to be some gorilla fun coming up on Two True Freaks, and that's yes. all I'm going to say. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're going to go ape. <laughs> So uh, should should I actually explain what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode with the, the Hulk thing? Yes. Okay. A um, couple months ago, Scott started up this great podcast called uh, Death and the Acrid Smell of Gunsmoke, the Jonah Hex podcast, which I told him was too long of a title, and now I love it because uh-huh. 
that's just how I am sometimes. Sometimes, and it's not that I'm snotty. It's just you know, you, you, sometimes you hear something, and it's like, wow, that doesn't really work. But then you hear it again and again and again, and suddenly it becomes part of you. Or yeah, so, uh, you, you hear the concept, and you go, I don't know if that's gonna work. But you don't, you know, Scott saw it in his head, and then when it comes into completion, you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, um, I've been wanting to do a small half hour at most. Uh, except for the first episode, because of uh, just the ex- the introductions are always a little longer than the standard episode. It's why a pilot is usually like an hour and forty five minutes. Right, right. So your origins. I've been thinking. I want to do that. I want to do it. You know, be be mostly solo. Like you know, have the door open that I could have guests, but mas- basically it's just me talking into the into the headset about a particular comic, and I vacillated for a real long time about what I wanted to do and I came up with the idea of doing like a Hulk podcast from issue one and going forward but when Scott and I started Tales of the JSA and we joke about this all the time we started the show with All-Star number 58 what we really wanted to talk about was All-Star Squadron number one because it's it's where the passion was right? and I think the show really took off when we got there like the show was good before that, but then when we hit that, it's just like, yep, now we're where we want to be. Right. And I realized that it was going to take me years to get to the one era of the Hulk that I wanted to talk about, like, the most. And that was the Peter David era. And when you think about it, you've got Incredible Hulk number one to six, then you've got like almost 40 issues of Tales of Suspense, I think it was. I'm going to really kick myself if I get that wrong. No, Tales of Suspense was Iron Man. Tales, Tales to Astonish. Astonish. And then you still have, after those 46 issues plus a couple guest appearances, about a hundred, like, trying to do the math in my head, like 229 issues before you get to Peter David. Right. And on a weekly basis, that's fucking forever. You'll be an old man before you get to the stuff you want to get to. So I am announcing here, even before on Views from the Long Box, where I, th- I was thinking about it, but we're all Demonzo Core, so it's that's okay. Right. Uh, Shag informed me that I can no longer call him my semi-regular co-host because uh, Dufo hit him with some kind of injunction that he could only refer to himself. Oh, you tell us Dufo does that all the time. Uh, that he can only call himself the semi-regular something of two true freaks. So uh, that sounds like someone who's constipated. <laughs> um, <laughs> semi-regular, <laughs> semi-regular. But um, probably, <coughs> I would say beginning to mid-February is when the show's going to start because I'm having six issues in the can before I start releasing them. I have to do that, otherwise I'll go insane. Right. Right. And I want to keep it, but as I started playing with the old one, like the 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 one I was originally going to do it from, like Hulk number one, they record really fast. So then it's just a matter of editing it, editing the ums and ahs out, and getting it out there, because it literally will only be like a half hour show. But um, Incredible Hulk Classics is the name, the Peter David years, and what that does is it allows me to talk about Peter David, and then when I'm done with that in like three years which is about what it would take. I can go back and do whatever era of the Hulk I want to. Mm -hmm. Plus, I have a really cool logo. 
that it's my friend beautiful. Blake Wilkie drew. So. It's beautiful, actually. It's just, it, yeah, I he's a very good artist. Uh, so I'll cut a trailer together soon, but look for that, like I said, beginning to mid-February is when I'll start releasing those. So uh, that's my announcement. I will sit down now. <laughs> Funny that when you, uh, now, uh, now that I'm talking about Dufo de Manzo, uh, there was a little sad moment. It, it just reminds me, there was a little sad moment last uh, earlier this month when uh, Dino De Laurentiis died. So, yeah. so that he he well, I don't want to say he and De Manzo were contemporaries because like De Laurentiis was basically what De Manzo would just wishes he was. He's like yes, you know, he's like the fourth rate Dino De <laughs> But you know, but now actually, I'm sure De Manzo's in Milan right now, just dancing a little jig because. He's just stepped up on the ladder a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 sad because De Laurentiis sort of had a bad rep as a schlockmeister, but there's a lot of good stuff out there that wouldn't have been out there if it wasn't for him producing yeah, his it. His version of Kong is still my favorite. Really? Yes. Flash Gordon. There is a movie that Flag, uh, Flash Flash Gordon. Yep. Until I rewatched it recently, it's it's a seminal moment of my childhood. He was one of the producers or the people who released Transformers the movie in 1986. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk to anybody a year or two older than me and down, that is like one of the best fucking movies ever. See, the, the, the Transformers is something I never was a part of, so I just know nothing. It's really funny, and I'm going to actually see my first i seen the first transformers movie that's all the transformers i've ever really consumed are you talking for, about the the, the live action before the shia labeouf one yeah. the one that was better than it really should have been and i never saw the, it was the best popcorn I movie i had seen in years was, the, the the second one i heard was terrible but i haven't seen it yet but um uh, for, it's funny. I do a horror podcast with the hair metal hero and El Jacone, and somebody wrote us it, and we're doing all we're doing. We're going through the uh, retrospective on John Carpenter, with a film at a time. And somebody wrote us and said, um, "You know, I know you're doing John Carpenter, but I have a suggestion for you." And it was a Transformers animated movie, and I don't think it was Revenge of the Fall. It was something that had. Uh, I'm assuming. There's, they were like, I know this isn't strictly horror, but this is a pretty horrific, and I don't mean they, I don't think they were meaning it humorously as that it was a horrifically bad, but they were saying this is a Transformer story that's really scary, and like uh, El Jacone and, and Hair Metal Hero are both like, oh yeah, I'm going to rewatch that, and I'm like, what, what, which one was it? I, I can't tell you off the top. Was of it the one with uh, the planet eating? Transformer? It, it might be. It would have to be. Because that's the movie. That's the animated film from 86. That's probably what they're talking about, I would so, imagine. So, yeah, Unicron's a pretty freaking frightening concept when you think of it because he is a Transformer that is kind of the Galactus of the Transformers. Uh-huh. Now, is that the one that's voiced by Nimoy? No, Nimoy was Galvatron. Orson Welles played the planet. <laughs> but it was his but, last that's very fitting was actually. that you that we were somebody I, I was just talking maybe it was one of those guys that i was talking to but 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 um orson wells sort of keeled over somewhere you know while they were that was the last movie he ever made mm-hmm. and, and um and uh i guess nimoy looped the last few lines of dialogue the last couple lines of dialogue for orson wells in post 
and for years would not cop to it. You know, people would be like, "Was is that you?" You know, and it sounds like you. And he would, be, you know, he was trying to, you know, maintain the illusion. And I guess now he'll admit to it. But there was years where he was wouldn't. I would be very proud to say that even if it wasn't a Transformers animated movie, to say that I'd looped a Orson Welles line. No, no he was Galvatron. Uh, Judd Nelson was Hot Rod. Uh, and Robert Stack played a character named Ultra Magnus. That is, it's 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 that's a pretty uh, pretty um, cost uh, expensive group of actors for an animated feature, you right. know. Yeah, because it was, was eighty six when N- Judd Nelson was still like a hot young member right. of the Brat Pack. Right, and the Transformers were aimed at kiddies, you know, who who were and you know you know like. Little kids at that time were like, Robert Stack, isn't it? Awesome! You know? <laughs> I, I'm in Robert Stack and Orson Welles? You know? Wow! <laughs> the only one they would know is Judd Nelson and Leonard Nimoy. And Leonard Nimoy, but, right. you, know, I, you know, I mean, the, I just never pictured Orson, you know, the, the people who were watching, the age demographic of people who were watching Transformers to be big Orson Welles appreciators, you know, that... Well, you got to understand that that movie was such a game changer for the concept because they went through two seasons of the animated series before they had the movie, and that was like two waves of the of the figures that were coming out. So you basically had from eighty four to eighty six a generation of children, much like when you guys discovered Star Wars figures in Star Wars. Right, right. You were kids. Right. You know, that was what it was like for us. I and never, I'm not trying to say you're like the old oh, no. man. I'm, I mean, but, yeah, but... I, the, so the, when the, you right. have a movie where that entire wave of figures that you had come to love as characters gets obliterated in the first 20 minutes of the film. Like, literally. The Decepticons go through and kill almost everybody. And Optimus dies, and it's that must cheap. be the one they're talking about. And it's just, you know, there were stories of kids crying in the theaters and kids locking themselves in their rooms and stuff. But it would basically be like, okay, that. three years after Star Wars, George Lucas did the next trilogy, and in the first twenty minutes of the film, yeah. Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie are all killed. Right, like dispatched <laughs> violently. I mean, it would have been like, "Oh my god!" So, yeah. I I always, you know, I mean, I was at the. I always just wrote Transformers off as I always pictured it as I always figured it was redubbed Japanimation or whatever. Nope. I just never paid any attention to it, and it was toy marketing and stuff. But now, as I start, you know, hanging around more people. I realize how, you know, how much, you know, people really got into it. Uh, people that I respect. So I may have to go back well, and uh, here, some Transformers stuff. Here's the thing about Transformers, and to a certain extent G.I. Joe as well, is you basically sure. you had two types of animated series in the 80s. You had the porn shows and what i mean by that is when you watch porn you're there for a very specific reason right right you're not there for the plot right it's almost 
what you could also call the Incredible Hulk effect, that certain people were only watching the Hulk to see the Hulk outs. So you had shows like Thundercats and Voltron that were revolved around the one moment when something would happen. Mm Mm-hmm. You know when the the you know in in Voltron, it's when the lions would come out. And they had the stock animation for that, and they would fight the row beasts, and they would all get knocked down. So that's when they decided to form Voltron. So they go through the whole intricate process of yeah. forming Voltron with the music and more stock animation. And, and that's the part that I yeah kids fixate on that. I've always noticed that that it's like that that those portions were the money shots where the kids were like. You know, and and when you you'd see kids act stuff out, they would be like, for, you know, it was the same with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, everything in that was crap. But when all of a sudden, you know, they would bring it's out Morphin rubber, Time. Yeah, the rubber suited monsters and the lightning would strike, and everybody would strike their pose. Kids love that sort of. It's almost like a. Um, it's comforting. It's almost like a. Um, I don't know what the word I'm searching for. I I, I like a blanket. Say, yeah, yeah, but it's familiar. It's something it's, you can go to and enjoy again and again and again. Like Brewer. right, right. Like yeah, yeah, and um, <coughs> and they and they wait for it. And kids love that repetitive stuff that they can right. follow along with, you know, and and play up. And that's the parts that they play up is is turning into the and you know it's and the I gratification. Forget, right. It's a and and it's a gratification of seeing a really cool thing <laughs> put itself then, together. Yeah. But then you had Transformers and G.I. Joe, and Transformers was better at it than G.I. Joe, that by, because of the very mechanics of the toy line, like with Thundercats and Voltron, you had a set number of cast, of of figures out there. Mm -hmm. But with Transformers and G.I. Joe, they were introducing wave after wave after wave, year after year. So you would have to put that into the cartoon somehow. Because at that time, you could only have a certain amount of animation in a commercial for a toy. Yes, that's right. And that is why you had G.I. Joe comic book commercials. Because you could animate those. with, And every once in a while, Larry Hama would be told, okay, in this issue, you have to put in the Snowcat, you have to put in the Rattler, and you have to put in the, 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 the Swamp Vehicle. And he'd figure out how to do it in the plot. And the G.I. Joe comic was actually really cool. But with the with uh, the Transformers, you know, by necessity, you had to keep introducing new characters. So you would have new characters who had their own kind of backstory. So over time, over with really with the Transformers, it was one and a half seasons. But re- you developed a mythology for this line mm-hmm. that went beyond just lion and the Thundercats fighting Mumra. And it was the same with G.I. Joe. So when Transformers the movie happened, to the the minds of the people writing the film, they were getting rid of the old line so they could introduce the third wave. Right? Right. So they kill all these people, not realizing that there's a generation of children that have come to love this. And it's why I like the Transformers so much as an adult, is because when they went to the third season of that show... It jumped from 1986 to 2005, and it was a completely futuristic world. Wow. And it was, not all the episodes were good, but it was kind of cool how they brought in all these new characters. And it didn't go beyond that, but that is why I can still watch Transformers the movie, and granted, 
really after Optimus dies, I can kind of stop watching the film and fast forward into the end. But because there's a really slow part in the middle there. But it's actually kind of dramatic and cool. And I think I'm making more of this than really is there, so I apologize. But you started <laughs> well, talking I, about Transformers the movie, and it got me really excited. I don't know about the listeners. I more care about myself, but it's good for me because I'm going to have to watch it. It sounds like I'm going to be watching this thing like in pretty soon. Because mm-hmm. my two co-hosts were both like, yeah, yeah, we would take a break from John Carpenter for, for uh, that Transformers movie, so... Yeah, it looks like that's that. It looks like I'll, so. This is this is all good homework for me. This is it's actually making me eager to see it. We we could do to cover more animated stuff. Any good good animated stuff? I think. Did we lose Michael. No, I'm here. Okay, we had a little blurp there. It's the, weird. Yeah, the new Skype oh, keeps shit. saying things like, oh, "Did it stop recording?" Oh, God damn it! We better not have lost all that. Hang on. <laughs> Can I say what a complete asshole Santa Claus is and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Yes, he is. What a complete douchebag. We, 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 somebody was talking about it, but he, you know, he's under a lot of stress at that time. You gotta, I don't give a shit. Been Sorry. Centuries since Mrs. Claus ever gave him any anyway. She opens up her legs and bats fly out. Yeah, exactly. Ew. So what else do we got, guys? I don't know. What else do we have? Or if we hit the wall. Well, we have to. I know we have to appeal to our listeners to uh, tell us what they want. They uh, that, tell us what you want. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is is you know, I think I've said it. I I think I've said this on the air before. Maybe not. Maybe I've just moaned it to Chris before. But you know, the the Comics Monthly Monday has has needed something for a while, and we I just didn't know what it was. Um, I think. You know, bringing you onto the show, Mike. I think that's gonna that's pretty much yeah, yeah. That's gonna help a lot because that'll you know inspire more comicy talk. You know, more comicy goodness and all that. But I I want to know from the listeners what exactly would they like to hear us talk about when it comes to comics? You know, was there anything from the old format they want us to pour over, like Walking Dead or whatever? Are there any things that they don't? <clears throat> any things that they don't want us to ever do ever again? Yeah, yeah, big <laughs> as time. As long as we live, <laughs> and just you know, I, I'd like to hear story, you know, uh, uh, show ideas. You know, what is there a segment that you'd especially like to hear? You know, something like that. One thing I had, um, I do have an idea that I, I want to start, and I'll even give us our first subject. I think it'd be fun to have at least one subject every time like like just like a warm-up at the beginning of the show and i was thinking of something like a good old-fashioned like like top list like top five top 10 top 20 whatever and uh i'll put it out i'll put it out as top 10 this time we'll each have to come up with 10 different things unless that sounds like too many maybe top five anyway top five or top 10 Stories that we think, comic book stories that we think Have are it. better than Watchmen. 
And I think that <laughs> I think that would be controversial. Uh, I think it'd be a be lot of fun. Well, let's set that challenge for ourselves for next month. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that'll that'll watch, be next Comics watchers. Monthly Monday. Is you got to come up with with how how many do, should we say five? Because I think five. Because right. we have ten, and then we have thirty. If you have right, if you right. have thirty if you have thirty things on any list with the three of us, you're talking five hours. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I really like the movie High Fidelity, so top five works for me. Okay. And, and I'm talking, I mean, this isn't something that, that, that wouldn't necessarily dominate the show every month. That would just be like, that's the warm up. You yeah, know? it should be something just fun. Something yeah, exactly. Start fun, exactly. Get, the, get lubricates the conversations. And I mean, I, you know, I've got a bunch of them in mind, you know, like, you know, top five Batman stories that are better than, you know, Killing Joke or something like that. So, yeah, I think if we come up with stuff like that, you know, that, that gives us a segment and... You know, we're, we were still toying with the idea of doing Walking Dead and, you know, and then just whatever else. I like the idea also, al- although I utterly, completely failed to do it myself this episode, of bringing a comic or, or you know, a recent read or, uh, you know, some subject to the table. I just, I was shit I with doing idea. that this time. Chris was great, you know, with the Captain Marvel thing inspired well, a lot I of talk. That, and- that just gave me an idea. You two have a section where it's called... Make Chris read a goddamn superhero comic. <laughs> there we and, go. That's and, okay. And you guys get together and you pick out a superhero comic for me every week, and I'll read and I'll review. I'll tell you what I thought of the one from the week before. Right. And maybe you guys can get me like starting start. Well, I'm never going to be up to speed to you guys. That's for sure. As far as that's, but maybe you can start getting me more. You know. More reading some more of that stuff, or it, you know, I mean, you definitely got me, um, got me on the path of listen, watching some cartoons, right? That's for sure. Well, you know, if the, if all these ideas or some of these ideas anyway sound very familiar to folks, as far as like very much like back to the bins, that's actually on purpose. You know, Mike and I love doing that show. We enjoy the hell out of it, and. You know, want to kind of bring that energy and and kind of even that format to Comics Monthly Monday, and so that's kind of what we're doing. Because for a time, we actually had considered doing away with Back to the Bin as a freestanding show, mm-hmm. just making Comics Monthly flat out Back to the Bin. I, I, yeah, I don't think you should do that. I, I think back personally, in my opinion, uh, and this is being not a guy who reads a lot of the comics that you guys cover or whatever i just think back to the bins is just an just an awesome idea right it's it, i think just the way it's evolved it's just an awesome it's an awesome thing it, it's just one of those things where everything clicks and works on it right and it's one of those things that even if you you and michael were like i don't want to do back to the bins you should you know choose a successor like you know a new right. billy batson who you know you bring up an interesting thing that uh granted this is not back to the bins this is comics monthly monday but you know while i'm while i'm thinking of it i might as well go ahead and throw this out there you know you and i were talking off air the other day about the fact that you know a couple of our friends in the in the you know in the community have said you know i've emailed us and basically been like you know, would it offend you guys, or would you mind if maybe you know I recorded a little something and sent it in? You know, and and you guys could maybe play it on back to the bins. Or what, dude? We encourage that shit. Although, you know, yeah, I mean, definitely. It's not like we have been you know knocking like them gonna... you know out regularly lately. So yeah, anybody and, and out even there, even if you were knocking them out regularly, 
the more the merrier. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, yeah, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world if all if there was a back to the bins that came out one week and then the and then the next week you guys put out another one and somebody else had one. And there were two back to the bins. But I don't think people would complain at all. Well, one of the things I really like about Back to the Bins that I don't think I, I remind people of enough, Back to the Bins is not my show. It's yeah. Mike's show. I mean, that show is in, was invented before us, and I kind of inherited it. I kind of, you know, we, I brought Mike into it, but nobody really owns that show at all. It's actually well, its before, own but, entity. Before you brought so. Mike into it, you had you were doing the like rotating guest thing, rotating cavalcade of podcasts' finest hosts. Right there, you go. So I mean, anybody that wants to record a back to the bins and send it into us for you know play on the show, please do. Don't be you know, don't be shy. Yeah, yeah. Do, you know, Chris had a good point the other day. Is that Dude, maybe they're afraid. You know, they know how proprietary you are about your formats and shit like that. Well, that's very true. You know, I don't want to hear any more Star Wars uh, Marvel podcasts out there. But, uh, you know, when it comes to back to the bins, knock yourselves out. Send that shit in because, yeah, we, we, could, uh, we can use the assistance big time. And I get a kick out of hearing other people's take on that format. I really do. So, yeah, send those in. Definitely. I would picture I, I would picture sort of like maybe the Comics Monthly Monday being sort of an expand. Uh, well, I don't know if you're. You, I mean, Back to Bins used to be like a half hour show, strictly. Right. But I'm sure it's not that any anymore. It's more like an hour or or plus more. Right. But yeah. Because Mike just goes on and on and on and on and on. I, I, yeah, it's I, just me. I forgot. I forgot Mike was here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> but I picture the comics monthly Monday may, maybe being an expanded version of it. You know, we're we're or, with or, or one that can have more different stuff happening in it. Right, you know, it doesn't right. have to be uh, as on cleaving to a, a format. Right. Well, I mean, more lately, you know, the the more recent episodes of of that show, you know, Mike and I actually have been making more of an effort to, to really stay tight. To a time, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're using it as the warm-up feature for our our recording of tales. So I like that. I like sticking to that. But every once in a while, you know, you get a particularly meaty subject. It is nice to be able to just go, ah, screw it. Let's talk about this for two hours. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the freedom. So it of podcasting. Too. Yeah, that's if awesome. we if we get one that is particularly meaty, then yeah, it might be better to bring it over here where we've got the room to to really you know expand and, on it and and I and I'll say this: Scott and I are known for our elephant like memories. So there's a lot of times that we have ideas for something and, and people mention ideas to us and we go, "That's a great idea," and then it properly drops out of our head, even though it is a fantastic idea. Right. So there, so there's, a, there may be people who are like, well, you know, uh, you know, maybe they don't want to do that. But uh, when people give us suggestions, it's oftentimes a reminder of something. Like, and and if you remind us, you you just may get it, you know, right away. Right, there was like the guy who mentioned, uh, he's like, yeah, you guys ever gonna do a Logan's Run show? And we'd been talking about doing a right. Logan's Run show for a long time, and it took him to do that to have us go. That's right, Logan's Run. And within right. like two weeks after that, we had a Logan's Run show out. So, well, I, I think you're being very diplomatic about the fact that what it, what this really comes down to, what Chris, Chris is really saying is. If you've run an idea past me personally in, like, say, the past year, 
And we talked it up and we were like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. And I seemed really excited. I was genuinely really excited. And the fact that you haven't ever heard from me again about it wasn't like I was just saying it was great, but I thought it was shit and just forgot about it. It's because I just I've, forgot about I've it. Been watching, my memory is I've been sucks. watching stuff drop out of his head within like 10 minutes sometimes <laughs> since I've got here. You know, <laughs> just leaving a trail of memories and ideas behind him. And it's really funny. The, the, the ironic one is I'm the one with the reputation for being like Mr. Smoky, Smoky, right. hippie, <laughs> got, hippie, trippy, dippy, doofy guy. Yeah, I'm the one who's always like, say, hey, Scott, remember... Um, Remember, you gotta you gotta brush your teeth every once in a while. Or... See, I think it's like a surrogate situation. You know, it's like you smoke the pot, but it's like my fucking memory twins that gets or affected. Something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> so what I what I think you should all take away from this is that Scott has a horrible fucking memory. I do. And, uh, he does. He does. Because I'll I'll tell him shit. And like three weeks later, he'll be like, "We talked about that." Yeah, I do that <laughs> shit all the time. It's bad. It's really bad. Well, what what I'm trying to say is that I know that there are many people out there that I have talked to, you know, about you know, hey, let's get together and do a show about this, or let's record an episode of that, or hey, how what, how about if we do a movie commentary on this? And I was genuine in every one of those situations. It's just I fucking forget. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm busy with shit and my memory sucks. And there's just so many great ideas that come up all the time. And you know how it is. So, I mean, you know, please don't ever be offended. And please don't, do not hesitate to constantly remind me of this shit. Because that's the only way I can keep up with things is if you bug the piss out of me about it. You're like, dude, remember you said we were going to do the episode about blah, blah, blah. Well, you got to keep up with me because otherwise it just the shit doesn't happen. So, you know, that that that's an apology to all of our friends out there that we have promised to bring in and do episode X, Y and Z. And just the shit hasn't happened yet. And, and me having my my brain like my memory that's like a steel trap. Everything <laughs> that you've talked to me about that that we haven't done that just means i think it's a completely stupid idea and i hate you yeah. well you know the the funny thing is is even with my memory which is which is pretty good most of the time i forget shit people have suggested to me yeah, so right it's just one of those things cuz when you do more than one show can i can i give you guys a hint this is this is how i do it whiteboard I got a whiteboard on my wall, right to, the, to right to the right of me of my of where I podcast, and I I hate that stuff too. But I'll tell you what, it you just like sniffing the markers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always come out. I always come out of the podcast, and my and like my roommates are giving me the Sieg Heil, and I'm like, what are you talking? What are you yeah, guys exactly, doing? I go in the yeah. bathroom. I got the little marker, like Hitler mustache, Hitler mustache under my nose. <laughs> hit the markers again. No, but the thing I'd like to throw out there is, please, people, suggest that they get back to the uh, the John Byrne um, X Men stuff because I'm not the type to really invite myself onto a show very often. But I really wanted to go, dudes. I have to be part of this. So. Oh, right. awesome, awesome, right? 
Well, I, I want to do that because the intention with that was was to not just be John Byrne's X Men, but basically John Byrne to, to work our way into other. Yeah, yeah I mean, Byrne I wanted after. to. Yeah, I wanted yeah, uh, to go through a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to go all over the map with John Byrne. Good, bad, ugly, everything. You know, just. Really, John just, Byrne is directly responsible for me having as many comics as I have today. But, you oh, know, me too. Like, like when, when we decided that, the first thing I'm looking forward to is his, that that um, Fantastic Four run that he did. Yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah. forward. Yeah, see, to I want to tackle that before somebody else does. I love the X Men stuff. Yeah. I love the X Men stuff, but the Fantastic Four one was more that light and fun. Right, you know, Fantastic Four adventure stuff. That I was some of the first that. stuff that I collected on a regular monthly basis. Zone, yeah. Was it the Negative Zone or whatever? Yeah, that whole Negative Zone story yeah. with the, where he did the one, the novelty comic that was all printed sideways, sideways yeah. and stuff like that. I love that stuff. The yeah. art was beautiful. I, and you the issue of Alpha Flight where it was all white because it was the snowbird fighting another white colored character in the snow. <laughs> But you know, I mean, eventually somebody's going to cover that. You know, some because that's one of those. You know, it's it's one of the acknowledged great runs of of comics. So eventually, somebody's going to want to do a, a, a podcast or a, like a major segment of a pop podcast got, devoted to that. And I'd rather hit it first. I think we have a little bit of buffer zone on that because it seems to me, and I don't know why. This is something I've heard when you were talk when we would talk about other. To other people about while well, we're going to do John Byrne and stuff, there's like the stigma attached to John Byrne because right. a small part of his career he sucked apparently, and everybody like judged him by that. They said, "Oh, he he ended on a low note or whatever," and then they gave up on him and sort of retroactively retroactively started hating his old stuff. He's too. looked at today by modern audiences much the way that you and I were looking at Kirby when we were coming up, looking at him and going, "What what where the hell did this guy's reputation come from?" He sucks, and that pains me. Well, but I can understand. But it. I, but 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 I appreciate Kirby now. So hopefully they'll that, that right. the same thing. Right. Happen. But I don't. I I don't. I I just see his. Would, art would you agree so, with that, Mike? With that assessment, I'd agree with that completely. Um, but I don't get it because his like I. I, I think some of much more accessible than Kirby's. Right. But. Yeah, but but at the same time, Byrne has had a tendency, especially in the middle of of the last decade. To shoot his mouth off uh, and just annoy the crap out of people. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I wasn't really. I understand that. I wasn't really thrilled with Jessica Alba being cast as Sue Storm either. I mean, I think she did what she could with the role, but you know, to come out and say that all Latino women who dye their hair blonde look like prostitutes may not be the way to really endear yourself to a reading audience, right? Or Jessica Alba, for that matter. And who does? You know, why would you want to not endear yourself to Jessica Alba anyway? She's Latino. I think she's got got some really? Latino. I yeah, yeah. I never thought she was all that much anyway, to be honest. But I, it does kind of surprise me. That's because you, sir, have no penis, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <that's> so. <laughs> Just kidding. Why did you have to say that on the air, man? I would. I told you a million times. I didn't want people to hear that. Well, it's technically not not a penis. It is kind of like some sort of weird gnarled pimple growth. I've heard. 
Wow, this just this show just went in a really wrong direction. So okay. Yeah. All right. Why did you guys bring me into this show? You were doing just fine last. No, you guys brought me into the show, and now we have turned on you, and this is what's going to happen. And it was Chris's eye plan and I's plan bitches. all along. That's it. We're just gonna have to get Shag in here to balance this shit out a little bit. Well, what's he gonna do besides talk about Doctor Who? And He's gonna the- take my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's right folks i'm here every month <laughs> try the veal tip the wait staff sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows that's right simply click the paypal link on our website donate any amount at all tell us which show you're choosing and what message if any you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener it's that easy and there is no minimum donation be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com. 2TrueFreaks.Libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.